Hi, this is Lucinda Walters and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archives. Welcome to Australian Survivor Archives, the only podcast in the internet, in the world and everywhere else in between that covers every single aspect of the history of Australian Survivor from 2002 right through today. We are here today for episode 5 and another very exciting episode to bring to you today. A couple of weeks ago, we had the privilege of our first ever interview on the show with the host of season 1, Mr. Lincoln Howes. We've talked about the very first episode of season 1 and what better way to get into more goodness of season 1 than bring you another interview. It's very, very exciting. Should first of all start by saying that my name is Ben, and I think I might also vote for myself today. My name's Matt Dyson, and I am a first boot, but I definitely didn't vote for myself, because you're not allowed to anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm actually very excited to to have this all come together this way, because I, I should really also say that maybe I'm a future first boot of Australian Survivor, and then this episode will hold even more relevance uh, in the in the grand scheme of, of the history of it. But it is an honour to be able to welcome another first boot to this show, the, the very first boot from not only Season 1 of Australian Survivor, but the very first person voted out in the history of Australian Survivor, of all 123 people to ever play this game. She was the first person to be eliminated from the game. I do, of course, speak of the one, the only, the legendary Miss Lucinda Walters. Lucinda, welcome to Australian Survivor Archives. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. It's it's wonderful to I have you here. It's 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 a pleasure for years. Yeah, well, I'm glad we can break that duck for you and kind of get you to talk about this for some time because Matt Matt reached out to you. Matt found you, and I, I can imagine it must be a bit of a a shock, as you said. Like you haven't talked about this for a while, and and here's some two random people wanting to talk to you about this after all these years. I know, yes. Yes, it's very random. And what what an intro to be given. Well, the first person in the whole of the history of Australian Survivor to be booted off. <laughs> <laughs> L- L- Lucinda, do you, do you watch Survivor now? Obviously, it's um, had a big reboot in 2016 and, and t- Channel 10 now do it. Um, have you have you watched any of the, the new episodes? I don't really watch TV anymore, so I don't know what's going on with Survivor at the moment at all. I mean, I some... Uh, Occasionally, if I catch the news or something, I might see a grab of it, but no, I don't. It's not quite the, making the, the headlines as it once did to kind of make the news potentially, so it kind of it's, it's something that, uh, yeah, not quite making that 6 o'clock news bulletin. Yeah, I guess so. L- Lucinda, before you applied for the first ever Australian Survivor, did you watch the first couple of American seasons? No. I so- didn't watch any. And even after I applied, I didn't watch any, and I just, just, um, I might have watched half an episode or something. But what happened was I was over in um, on our cattle property with my twin again, 
and she said, Cinders, come in and watch this. Come in and watch this, Cinders. You'd be great on this show. And I said, nah, I don't watch TV. She said, Cinders, come in and watch it. You'll love it and you'd be terrific. I walked around the corner into her living room and as I hit the living room and looked at the TV screen, it said, if you want to be in the next Australian Survivor, go to this website. And I wrote it down and I gave it to my husband because I'm a technophobe. <laughs> and he went in and, and looked at everything and I put an application in. Wow, that's simple. So I thought the show, I was under the misdemeanor of thinking that the show was all about surviving you know, in harsh conditions with a group of people. So I, I trained for that. I trained in a gym. You know, I stopped drinking, I stopped smoking, I just got so healthy. I had a personal trainer. I was lifting heavier weights than any woman at the gym. He owned the gym, the guy that trained me, and he said, Lucinda, you're the tiniest person here and you're lifting heavier weights than anybody, any of the women. But that's how I trained, and I, I trained about what you could eat in the bush, you know, what things were poisonous, how to test if they were poisonous. I didn't train for mind games. And it's 99% mind games and 1%. You know, it's as soon as I got on there, I knew it was mind games. And it was like, oh, hell, I'm not, I'm not that sort of person. I'm a person that what you see is what you get. So you clearly went into it, like you just said, you, you, you trained hard, you gave up the cigarettes. I know I'm... On, uh, I think it was what your your interview tape. You mentioned about you you gave up, uh, you know, thirty pack a day smoking habit. You know, in, in preparation to to going on Survivor. See, you were taking this seriously. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I, I was taking it seriously not for the money, because a half a million dollars wasn't going to change me, and I won't. My ethics and morals are not going to change for half a million. I mean, everybody's got their price, and if it had been ten or fifteen million. I could have easily walked over a few people, but not for half a million. And But I trained because I had never been fit in my life. So I decided I was going to get fit, but I needed a goal. And then when Survivor came up, I thought, right, that's my goal. And I didn't really think I'd get in, but I thought I'll just give it my best, you know. It's the only thing you can do. And then, hell, I got on. Which is it's interesting because you were telling us off air a little bit about how your twin also applied, and this is, I think, a, an interesting story, the, the way that you both applied. So could you tell our listeners a little bit about sort of how that went about and how you and your twin went about applying for the show? Well, after I applied, I said to her, you know, Vic, you should apply, and um, she decided she would, And uh, but I let the producers know basically when they looked at my um, you know, I think it was, they were meant to be five minutes, the recordings that you sent in the videos, the initial, the first thing. And um, at the end of mine, I pulled out a headshot of the two of us and put it over my head. <laughs> and I said, um, um, something, something, for I have a twin. Would there be trouble? Let's wait and see. For a million bucks, would she double cross me? And uh, so I left them knowing that I had a twin and that her entry was probably coming. So, but she didn't get on, and I did. Did she? But did I, she get through to the, like the next stage, no. or no? But it, it, I'm a lot more outgoing than she is. I mean, yeah. we're very, very similar in a lot of ways. But I'm a lot more outgoing than she is. So I think that they could see that probably from her video. How, how did she react to you getting on and, and not her? 
Oh, she was tickled pink that I got on. She was thrilled. Yeah, we're we're um, we're we're very close, and we, you know, we support each other in everything. So, yeah, no, she was thrilled that I got on. Lucinda, so I also applied. I was eighteen at the time when applications were open for for your season. I actually applied myself because I, as you as you probably know, only eight thousand five hundred people applied for that season. Not a large number. Um, so hey, who knows? We could have ended up being tribe mates, but uh, <laughs> but but like your twin sister. Uh, I, I yeah I, I didn't get past the first stage, but um, when when you got that, did you get a, a letter or a call first? Like what was the next step from you know after you yeah, submitted your application? A, I got a letter by registered post, and the funniest thing was that I was in Bali for a week with my kids and my husband, and or two weeks, and I came home and there was this registered post, you know this mail that that I had to go down and sign for, and I went down and signed for it. And it was a letter saying you're through to the next round and you have to fill this questionnaire in. I think within two days, I had two days left to do it. And I was like, oh, hell, my God, what am I going to do? And because I used to win a lot of competitions, um, written competitions because of my presentation, I wanted to come left of field, you know. So I gave it some thought, gave it some thought. I wanted to stand out to these these people who were you know, trying to find these contestants. So I got my husband, who was a builder, to make me up a board, a framed board with a frame, and it was about a metre by mm, 800, 900 or something, right? So great big heavy picture frame. And every question I wrote down on the board and then, um, like, I'd have pictures, like, what was your last job? And I'd have it, um, you know, that sort of thing. And you know, who is your hero? And I put a poem in that I wrote for my dad's 66th birthday and I had photos of, you know, photos of my kids on there and just this big board but I thought they're going to hate me because if there's a panel of people in different rooms or whatever looking at it, they're going to have to lug this bloody board around. They're going to think this bloody woman who sent this and they're going to remember me. That works. Wow, that's clever. So you did take that along with you. No, I sent it in by courier oh, because I was in Byron. Right. Wow. That's crazy. I, I'd love to know what else. You, you said you won a lot of competitions. Were you in Bali because you'd won that competition? What else did you win? I, um, oh, I won a big um, American jet boat, speed boat. Um, I won a trip to two trips, I think, to Fiji, one trip to Hong Kong. I won. Um, I won a lot of things. Wow! <laughs> um, I used to, have to change my name all the time. I won a ten thousand dollar diamond. Um, this diamond that I've got on my finger. <laughs> That's crazy! Wow! Geez, yeah. there's a whole other show in that. They should be doing a reality show. The luckiest woman in Australia, basically, she wins all these bloody competitions. No, I had nothing to do with it. You said don't go in anything. That's chance. Everything I go in is judged. So, like for the speedboat, they asked you what you would do um, with the speedboat if you won it. And I think, nah, everybody's going to say I'm going to go fishing, I'm going to go to a deserted island, I'm going to do all this. And I thought, what am I going to do? And so what I did was you have 25 words. And they said the entry had to be put on one piece of paper. So I concertinaed a big piece of, big piece of paper up, right? 
and I got somebody to take photos of my next door neighbour, my husband, and my husband in dinner suits, and my twin sister and myself in black, um, black velvet cat suits, <laughs> right? And we're sitting on buckets in our front lawn, and I took, I got a picture of the speedboat, right? And I sat us in the speedboat as if we we're all in it. But the first page, I had a picture of Darling Harbour with just arrows. And then I had the James Bond Mission Impossible thing at the top. And on the bottom, I put blow rival contestants out of water. <laughs> had a little picture of the house, a little picture of the casino. Then you turned over and I had the four of us in the speedboat at sunset cruising across to the opera house. And I had uh, Place Alibi, Victoria. <laughs> And then on the next page, I had Victoria, because I didn't know which one of us was which anyway. I had a picture of her with a cat in a cat suit with a big briefcase under her arm running, and I had her sitting on top of the um, casino with the boat underneath with the two boys in it looking up. Right? And then you turned over again, and I took mug shots of the boys, <laughs> and I said, eliminate accomplices. Wow. And then you turned over photo of Vic and I with our sun hats on and our glasses and our champagne in our bikinis and I put us in the speedboat and I said the twins reap the spoils. <laughs> that's nice, incredible. Nice. I like that. Yeah, so that's I've great. Run that, you know what I mean? So it was the presentation and the idea that they laugh, you know, make them laugh or make them cry when you do those kind of things. Fantastic. I can't remember who said that. Have you kept that yeah. up? Have you have you kept this sort of, do you still only enter the competitions that you, you can win, that you know you can win? No, everything's online now, so I can't do those kind of presentations, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, that's a shame. Do you still have the boat at least? I mean, did you keep it? No, they offered me great money for it. I can't remember how much, but they offered me money for it before it hit the shore. Um, it was a Darling Harbour boat yard, you know, selling boats, and they offered me um, great money for it. And I knew that as soon as you took that boat out, it's mm. like, a, like a brand-new car, decreases in value immediately. So, no, I don't have the boat. Dad was like, oh, damn, chicken, I wish you'd bought it up and we could put it on the big dam. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Well, I mean, when, when you eventually get on the show, you, you're all ready to go. Given that you hadn't really sort of watched the, the American version at least, did you have any expectations or thoughts of, of where you might be going and when you were a bit disappointed that you hadn't even left Australia? Yes, not disappointed that we hadn't left Australia, but I thought it may be somewhere over near Broome. And we all thought it was going to be somewhere hot and tropical, um, but we all thought that a lot of people thought we were going over to Western Australia somewhere, you know, um, not necessarily tropical there. But um, when we got to Port Lincoln and it was – and, you know, I, I was – I mean, I'm a little bit bigger now. I've got a few more pounds on, but I was really thin then. My God, it was freezing, so cold. And the 50-knot winds coming in off that southern ocean, it was, you know, I think I was really disappointed because I would have packed more clothes. But, you know, they gave us clothes to counteract that. They knew that it was freezing. You heard that it was the coldest summer or something, I think, that they'd had for 40 years mm. there. That was a really bad break for that first epi for that first um, series of Survivor because people are a lot more open and, and uh, open with their feelings, their emotions, everything, when it's hot. 
when people are cold, traditionally they're closed up and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're not forthcoming with their feelings and things in cold weather. Do, do you remember what, how many clothes you were allowed to, to take? Um, two things, I think. Wow. And I took a pair of pants like I've got on now because they've got so many cargo pants, you know, camouflage cargo pants and just a little shirt and I thought if it's going to be really hot, I need some cover. So I took a long-sleeved light shirt. Because I, um, yeah, I know a lot of the contestants because obviously it's, yeah, it, was, it was so cold. You see at night and at, at Tribal Council, everyone's all rugged up. Um, looks like everyone's, they're in a lot of similar clothes like the RM Williams jackets, the big, the big yeah. windbreakers and all that stuff. So, did they, did they just give them? Did they just give yeah. them to you, or did you get to yeah. pick out which style style you no, wanted to wear? No, they just gave them to us. They gave us thermal underwear. They gave us um, thermal underwear, I think, and the and the jackets. But because they'd been there for a month or two months or something setting up, they knew how cold it was, and they said, "We people are going to die here. People are going to get pneumonia and die. This is just unbelievable. You know, people are going to be coming with their swimmers." Yeah, we were allowed to take a pair of swimmers as well, I think. With the people are going to be coming here expecting to go to some hot tropical location and they are going to freeze. So, um, yeah, so they gave us the... I can't remember. They didn't... They gave us a, a an RM Williams jacket and thermal underwear and I think they gave us our shoes too. I can't remember. And they didn't have my size, that's right, so I had to have a size... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's that's when you know things are going wrong. Now talking about things going wrong, look, no one can deny that the, the that first episode, a lot of things did go wrong. One thing I really loved about that episode was the opening scene when you are all on the old bus and, and you you know you're all blindfolded coming in and and when you first meet Lincoln. What was your first impression when you walked off the bus? Do you recall, you know, Lincoln standing there? You've got your, you know, you, you can see who's in your tribe. What, what, the games was, obviously just started. What do you recall? What your emotions were at that time? Yeah, just nerves, just nervous, you know, and and also, you know, this the um, in some of those questionnaires and the things that we'd um, they'd given us to fill in for the, um, you know, for the not nominations to get on, um, they. When we got to the final rounds of that, they kept asking me what my biggest fear was. And I said, you don't think I'm that stupid, do you? I'm not going to tell you that. Smart woman, smart woman. I got off the bus and fuck, there are those cliffs. <laughs> and I'm oh. like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm almost like, oh, my God, I'm not going to go any closer to them. They were so high. Did you see those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, terrifying and so naturally my biggest fear is heights and I was nearly like thinking I better get down on my belly like it's <laughs> scary. I was going to ask you that because I've got the the official guide here where it's got all these questionnaires and we're going to have fun with a bit of one later on but yeah the, the under phobia it's written won't tell so I was definitely going to see if you would tell yeah. us and th there you go you have so I'm glad. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been interesting if they had been the first challenge to get you jump off the cliff, uh, like they did in the uh, the US season that they filmed in Australia. You know, get you to jump off a cliff straight away. We had to jump. We had to go down a cliff, and it wasn't a big cliff. Look, you know, I say it was twenty feet. It was probably only ten feet. Uh, no, it was bigger. It was it was maybe fifteen feet. Uh, but anyway, we had to go down this cliff to go fishing, 
And, um, I, you know, naturally I told all the kids on my team, you know, that that was my biggest fear. So a couple of them, we had a rope to go down. A couple of them stayed up the top and a couple of them were down the bottom coaxing me to come down. So I felt great once I'd done that and overcome, you know, you know, overcome it once. It's funny because you, you just mentioned kids you said the word kids on your team and, and that's good because it leads into the next question I was going to ask now of course you were on Kadena which is the the yellow buff tribe yeah. um, and you were the, the at the time you, you were the second oldest player in your team and the oldest yeah. female but yeah. you know you had a lot of players that were you know aged between 22 and 27 yeah. um, did it have that feel to it I mean I know you were only there for the three days but yes. did you feel did you feel like the the odd person out yeah and and you know the thing was because that first challenge that we had was a team challenge and everybody had to lift their weight but you couldn't tell if somebody wasn't pulling their weight when we were carrying those water soaked telegraph poles that weighed a bloody ton <laughs> uh, you couldn't tell if somebody wasn't pulling their weight so I couldn't and you can't tell kids something, you've got to show them, you know. I I, yeah. I wasn't about to tell those kids that I was lifting heavier weights than any person at the gym. I wasn't yeah. about to tell the kids that because I was in my 40s, I could probably help them with some things that they knew nothing about. Because what can you teach kids in their 20s? You know, they think they know it all. Well, a lot of them do. <laughs> <laughs> and so when, you know, when we when we... We didn't lose that first challenge, but then I did lose the second challenge for them by answering the question wrong, and I didn't persecute myself about that at all because I knew none of us, <laughs> you know, we were just stabbing in the dark, two of holes, you know. Um, I mean, it was just, every, I'm sure everybody's heart was just going in the nerves, the adrenaline, you know, at that first challenge or the second challenge, the first one too. But um, we were just all looking at each other like, is it true, is it false? Because the information would just go straight in and straight out. There was no way you could retain it with that much adrenaline going, you know, happening. Who were some of the, the early players that you did connect with? Because it, it wasn't really shown a lot of kind of these earlier bonds, I think, particularly from some of the earlier boots. So who were some of those players on Kadena that you hit it off with? My, my Well, I tell you something, when we first got off the bus... I gravitated to Shona and she gravitated to me. Now, we were put on opposite tribes and we were probably cast as the same kind of strong older women on each team, right? Mm -hmm. But Shona, Shona was lovely and I thought, oh, God, I'd love to be on this woman's team. She just feels so straight and so good, you know. But when we were actually divided and we went off in our teams, I didn't really gel with anybody in particular. I... Um, who, what was the name? Because, you know, it's nearly 20 years ago, so the names escape me. But um, the um, short, um, shortish, dark-haired girl with um, quite, so, so, quite solid. I, I, yeah. I'll refresh your memory because I know it has been a, a long time listening. So your tribe, you had obviously yourself. You had yeah. Tim. You had David, Deborah, Sylvan, Karen, Naomi and Craig. Right, right. I, I really liked Craig. Um, and I got on really well with him. I mean, I got on with everybody, but, you know, the thing is a lot of those people were playing the long game and most of them were flying under the radar. I was just myself. I was like, I'm not, I'm going to be myself. I'm not going to. And so a lot of those people were very caged and not sort of forthcoming. Um, Craig wasn't. Um, I yeah, I think I don't think I got to know any of them really well because they were 
they were sort of sussing everything out rather than just taking it. Like I, I'm the sort of person that just faces things head on and goes for it. And in the few days you were there too, um, David, of course, was extremely sick. I believe he was coughing up blood in those first couple of days. Um, so I guess he was another one that you wouldn't have been able to really get to know too much. Obviously, if he's not feeling well and sick, he wouldn't have been up for too much conversation. Yeah, um, I like David. Um, I mean, I didn't really have big conversations with anybody. You know, it was very much people were keeping to themselves. I was, you know, I, I couldn't see any alliances building. But I, I almost immediately realised it was a mind game, you know, like I said before. So, um, but yeah. Um, one thing I have to ask I, is, is, one thing I, I have to ask, so you, you, yeah. you arrive at your camp and yeah. you come across, uh, you find a, a camera and you actually take the photo of the group. So... It's, it's kind of strange because obviously then you're the first boot so you're kind of taking the photo and you're not in the photo. Do you, do you, do you remember that moment and do you remember, no. did you ever end up seeing that photo or what ever no. ended up happening to that, that camera and the photos? No, um, I can't remember but one thing I was going to, just to digress back to your last question was that when, um, when um, who was sick, what was the boy's name who was sick? David. Um, David Haas. David, that's right. Um, a lot of people were sick, and because um, and I, and I was a bit disappointed in the survivor actually producers or whatever because they gave them aspirin, and um, because those people were coming off addictions of nicotine and not nicotine, maybe some of them were I don't know, but tea and coffee. Whereas I'd nine months ago, you know, when I first started applying, my trainer said no tea, no coffee, no so. I was a bit disappointed that they allowed them. You know, that was the only help that we got in those first few days. They gave them aspirin or whatever it was. You know. Yeah, I know. I know myself. I made sure I got off all the soft drink at least a month before I went out on the island because uh, I didn't want to go, you know, cold turkey from caffeine the day I start the game. So yeah, I made sure that I got off that well before yeah. I actually went and played. Yeah, good idea to stay off that shit too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned kind of realising it was more of the, the social aspect and the mind games and everything. Uh, one of the scenes that I think is interesting in that first episode is the debate around the blanket that you have and kind of whether we should use it as a, a ground tarp or kind of use it as a half and half, which I think you were advocating for. And then it kind of came to the decision that let's use it for a ground one and then if it rains, we'll switch it over for a shelter. Is it is it moments like that where you realise that people are kind of playing it's a little bit more social or were there other moments before that that you kind of clicked that this is what this game was about? I clicked straight away what the game was about. I just felt the tension from the others that they were really, really scoping it out. They weren't... Like the thing is if you arrive at a party, a social party, right, and you don't know anybody so you might be a little bit held back but you're at a party and so you want to meet people and you want to be gracious and you want to, you know, get to know them, who they are, what they are, um, what they feel. Um, so I expected it was going to be like that, that people are going to be, oh, hi, Lucinda, I'm such and such and da-da-da-da-da and people are going to be really open with me. But immediately I knew that wasn't what was happening. Was there anyone in particular that really you were like, wow, this person's a bit of a dastardly little devil, this person, keep an eye on them? Mm, um, you know, I didn't have much in common except that I had lived in Darwin, but with Car it was Karen, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. 
I didn't sort of, you know, I don't, um, I don't usually um, make negative judgments about people. You know what I mean? Just, I just stay away from people I'm not that keen on. But, um, you know, Karen, Karen and I didn't gel. I gelled with, I gelled with nearly everybody on there as far as I like them. But um, yeah, I, I just didn't have any sort of feeling at all for Karen. I mean, Tim was gorgeous. I think he was a big cuddly teddy bear. Um, I loved Craig because he reminded me of my dad. Um, um, you know, Sylvan was really nice. You, you know, we had a really nice team. And regarding the blanket, um, putting the sheet down, I think, I'm not sure, but I think I opted to put it on the ground because when I was moving some of the rocks, because we were on rocks, when I was trying to move some of the rocks, I saw this great big spider that looked like a, a funnel web. And it may I, I know that funnel webs aren't over there, but we weren't meant to know ex exactly where we were anyway, but it could have been a wolf spider or something, but I thought, nah. I'm not sleeping with those spiders under these rocks. So I think I said we're putting the ground sheet on the ground. Yeah. Um, I had a hotel. Some some um, comedians phoned me for one of the interviews that I did afterwards subsequently and they said um, they rang a hotel and the hotel were wanting maids to make beds and things and they were saying how, how great they thought my bed making um <laughs> you know, skills were and all this. Fantastic. <laughs> it's so silly. <laughs> I, it's interesting about kind of the knowing and getting that social side of things in terms of these people are there to play the game because it has to be said, at least with the edit and what we saw, particularly of Kadena, there wasn't really a lot of what you would perceive as that style of gameplay, at least shown on screen, because it was it was generally the Tapara tribe that we saw all the gameplay happen throughout the season. So it's it must be interesting from your perspective when you watch it back, because you were very outspoken about the edit in the reunion when Eddie Maguire pushed you on it. So were you very, if somebody hadn't really watched the show and kind of then watching it play back, were you shocked then at just what was not shown and kind of how they were, you know, kind of, picturing this episode and showing the stories perhaps to what you perceive they would show? Um, you know, I always knew that they could portray anybody to be anything they wanted. With, a, with one or two grabs during the whole day, they could do whatever they wanted with us, and I knew that. Um, I thought they were very kind with me um, because I was the first one off, and they knew I was the first one off when they are editing it, so they gave me quite a lot of screen time, and it was quite kind. I mean... I don't think I was nasty to anybody anyway. <laughs> That's not my style, you know. But, um, I, you know, I I knew that they could show it and anything. And, like, they, they were good to me because you know how they come up and they, they pull you aside and they ask you questions and they said to me, and do you miss your kids? And I just burst into tears. And then I said to them afterwards, I said, don't you ever ask me about my kids again, you know. Um, and so, And they didn't show that, you know. So that was good, but um, yeah, but I, I, you know, I knew that there was a bit of skullduggery and stuff going on, but I wasn't aware of it because I didn't want to be a part of it. And was I outspoken with Eddie Maguire? I didn't think I was, but well, you kind of stood up for yourself, I think, because kind of Eddie implied to you at one point where he said um, you wanted to go, and you straight away were like, "Well, no, I, no, I didn't." And then he was kind of like, "But you voted yourself out," and he's gone, "Well, this is why I did it." So, yeah four or five kids in their 20s 
and I knew that I got that answer wrong. I knew to look at me. I mean, I looked like a pygmy on a rugby team. It was, you know, you just, I don't know whether you there's a shot or yeah, there's a shot of me when we when we were they were debating who had won that first challenge, and there's a shot of me with everybody huddled around me, and my teeth are just chattering, and everybody's huddled around me try to keep me warm. Everybody's got exactly the same amount of clothes on. It's just that I was so thin, you know, and small, and um, yeah, I felt like a rugby on a pygmy team, and I knew. At my age, those kids weren't going to give me any, you know, I was, I knew. And I said to them, you kids are going to vote me out. And three or four of them just nodded and one said yes. And they, they were crying. And I said, well, this is how we're going to play it. We're all going to vote for me so that none of you have, have a point against you if it comes down to the wire at the end. And they were crying and I was crying and they... You know, there was a lot of emotion and they said, oh, my God, listen, but you worked so hard to get here. And I said, we all worked hard to get here, you know. And I think that um, later on somebody told me, one of the producers, that I was one of the only people that didn't need counselling. And when I um, talked to everybody that subsequently was voted off, oh, they were bitter that they'd been voted off and it wasn't fair because, you know, such and such deserved to be voted off or whatever. And I realised that it was um, most of those people, you know, a lot of those people were there to play the game and to win for that half a million dollars. Whereas, like I said, half a million, I came from a big cattle property where we were asset rich and cash poor, but a half a million to me wasn't going to, wasn't going to alter my life all my siblings' lives, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, it's, it's funny because yeah. as a fellow first boot, it, it, it's, I like how you said about, you know, obviously you didn't need counselling afterwards where others were bitter. I find that, you know, because I also went out first, that you're so far away from getting to the end, it's almost like it would be a lot harder getting halfway through the game or even to the end and losing, where when you go out first, it's like, well, I didn't get close, so it's sort of a bit easier to get over. Did, yes. Is that what you sort of found? Um, I wanted. I, I was disappointed, right, because I worked so hard to physically to play a physical game. But when I knew it wasn't a physical game and it was, you know, it was a, um, um, a all a mental mind game, um, and I got got back to the accommodations that they gave us, you know, I thought, well, I'm actually, I didn't want to go, but I knew that my time was up and I knew that if I didn't go that time and we lost the next challenge, and I think we lost the first five challenges or something back to back, didn't we? You, you only won one immunity. Kadena, poor old, uh, yeah, didn't, didn't do too well out there, safe to be said. Yes. Right, so I knew I was going to be on the chopping block very soon because of my size and because of my age. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was a strange feeling being the first to go. Was because there I any never ba- ever thought I, well, I would be the first to go, you know? But I thought it would be more more balanced the team, and I didn't think there was much balance in the team. You know, Timmy being how old was Tim when he was in it with us? That um, Tim was 50, Tim was fifty one, and I totally agree. Look, looking at the ages of your team, it, it, I think that's one criticism we can say about 
the casting is that, in my opinion, there was way too many people in their 20s on your trial. Yes, yes. Uh, one lady in her mid-40s and then Tim who was in his 50s. And Tim was a big, strong man, you know. So I thought they're definitely going to keep him above me, but these kids are going to all get together and, you know, I'm gone. So, yeah, um, I realised pretty quickly that I was going to be one of the ones booted off first unless I could show them how strong I was. You know, if I had an opportunity to to test, you know, my strength. But as well, you know, <coughs> I realised they were all playing um, for themselves when, um, I don't know if, if you know this, if you've spoken to anybody and they've told you, but when we had that challenge to, sh to throw the javelins into that, um, into that um, pyre, the, the lighted javelins, and started on fire... Mm -hmm. Um, <coughs> they gave us mini javelins to, or javelins to practice with in the morning. So we knew it was going to be a challenge involving javelins. And um, when we were throwing them, um, I said, look, let's find out who can throw the furthest. And I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Sylvan and Craig. I'm not too sure. But anyway, two of the guys were obviously a lot better than any of us, any of the girls or Tim or whatever. So when we realised what the challenge was and how far away that pyre was, I, I got the gang together and I said, listen, I said, none of us can actually throw a javelin that far except that if anybody can, it's Tim and Sylvan because they were the strongest throwers this morning. So I said, this is what we should do. The, everybody else who can't throw that distance because it's the first one to get the, the, the you know, the big haystack thing going, I said, we will all just go up grab your javelin, light it, and just toss, just just chuck it on the ground, but just throw it in front of you. Don't do a run-up as if you're doing it. And then so that we give, so that we just get through everybody quickly so that Sylvan and um, <clears throat> Sylvan and um, Craig can, you know, have, have time and we'll get through everybody else really fast. And then I see the episode, Play to Air, and everybody else does the big run-up and the big throw, the big try, and there I am, I just basically throw mine like 10 feet out in front of me as if I can't throw a javelin. So I think they're all playing for themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's unique about that episode is, I mean, two things are unique about that episode. And, we'll, and obviously one is you voting for yourself. You became the, the first ever person in Survivor anywhere in the world to vote for yourself. Um, but th that challenged the fact that the wind got the better of it. Nothing happened from it. And they basically yeah. had to give up and come back the next day and do the challenge. What is it like in that moment when you realize that you've put hours into this challenge, you're freezing your butts off out there and all of a sudden it's like, eh, nah, we can't do this. We're going to come back tomorrow. Yeah. Well, they did divvy up the fruit between us, the fruit, fruit box. So that was okay. And it was fine. It was fine. I was up for anything. I was ready for anything. I didn't know what they were going to throw at us, but you know, I was open. So for me, it was like, yeah, we were freezing our tits off out there, but it was fine. Did you get an inkling early about the next day then about the what the next one would be? Or was that just kind of a, you got a, a tree mail, the producers kind of said, just come here at this point and uh, took you to the challenge at that time? Yep, yep. And we're all, I'm sure everybody's heart was going as fast as mine and the adrenaline's racing. It was, yep. And apparently when that... Um, I'm not sure if anybody said this before, but apparently when they they had um, uh, what do they call the special commando 
guys in the army. Uh, the name's just eluding me at the moment. No, but not, oh, you're not talking about Navy SEALs or whatever? No, the SAS. SAS. The SAS. Oh, yeah. They had uh, one of the guys from SAS organising some of the challenges and he organised that challenge with the logs in the water. <clears throat> and he had some of... Um, yeah, that's right. He, so he organised that and he said, right, so we'll get them to, like, swim out and or, you know, wade out. It'll be just over their heads or whatever and then get them to bring the logs in back over that beach and up that little tiny cliff. You know, it's only six feet or eight feet, but that'll be really hard to get up there with that log. And then we'll get them to run across there and then we'll get them to run across that and jump that ditch or whatever and then we'll get them to lean it up against the thing and then climb up a ladder or whatever the end of that was. I can't quite remember. But... Um, the SAS guy said that's going to be a really difficult challenge for them. And the producers said, no, we want them to do that twice. And apparently the SAS guy that I spoke to, he said, and I said to the producers, my team would find that really, really hard to do that twice. And, he, and the producer said, no, we want them to do it twice. And I suspect that it's because they wanted to uh, maybe show the American survivor how the how tough the Aussies were and how much better we did it. <laughs> and yet you ended up then having a, a simple quiz, which maybe didn't really show them anything extra when it came to the tiebreaker challenge. <laughs> that's, that's right. Oh, that's right. That was that first challenge, and then we had to throw the spear. That's right. Yeah, that's right. which it was. It was an epic challenge, though, because uh, I think the visuals of it, with the way the fire was on the beach, and they they kind of did go out of very. And it's it's kind of disappointing, I think, that it just everyone thinks of it so negatively because it didn't work. I think everything until the end was fantastic, and it's not. They would have tested that. And clearly in the Surviving Survivor special, they show the lengths that they went to to obviously keep that challenge going. But just to have the wind basically fail them at the last moment to not light that little wick, it's it's, it's out of their control. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Which is fascinating. It really is fascinating to kind of have that, that happen because that, yeah, le leading into that then, that as you, we've talked about, that you vote for yourself, the reasons behind that, which I think a lot of people do forget about now why that reason came about. Was there any rules stipulated that you couldn't vote for yourself? Um, yeah, somewhere in that 5,000-page um, contract, <laughs> I think. I think it's it. And I loved it when the contracts came, you know, and they were like, God, they were huge. And they said, we think you should get your solicitor to look over this. And I went, you must be joking. You know, you pay a solicitor to take him a week to go through that contract. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure that um, in there somewhere it said you weren't allowed to vote for yourself. But, I mean, I've never been, you know, you learn the rules so that you know how you thoroughly break them, don't you? Well, that's it's a good point because, I mean, that's a lot of people are just so, when people criticise things that went wrong with season one, that that's one of the one, many ones that they bring up. And I think a lot of people forget, actually, the, the celebrity version that followed four years later. Kim Johnson also voted for herself too. But was there any backlash questions from producers or anyone when you went in there and they realised you had voted for yourself? No, not at all. And I got um, such favourable, I mean, I, I can't remember what you call it. I said I'm a technophobe where you sit down and you have a couple of people on either side of you typing answers and you're answering and people are sending questions in and, and talking questions in, mm -hmm. you know, like audio. Like a live um, chat kind of the thing. Video audio, right? <clears throat> 
and they were fantastic and they thought I was the bee's knees and you know only because I think I was somebody who stood out because I got more airtime but also because I didn't fly under the radar I was like no there's spiders there we're not sleeping there come on let's do this come on let's do that I was myself you know and people could see that so obviously you made history by voting for yourself and then there was the whole reaction and I guess since then it's like, oh, well, Lucinda, she didn't want to be there. She voted for herself. Um, that's, I guess, the impression that a lot of people have. If you had if you had your time over again, would you just would you, would you you still vote for yourself or would you just throw a vote on someone else? Um, depends if it was... Um, well, you're not going to change the team, are you, for me? If you change the team, then I'd... You know what I mean? And it was more evenly based... Um, if I had my time over, hmm, that's that's a really interesting question. Actually, I've never thought about that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's a lot of pressure, um, even though it probably you know you don't see it on the on the screen. I mean, you don't see the hardship on the screen either. That looked like a, a you know a walk in the park that first challenge. The screen doesn't bring up a lot of stuff, you know what I mean? And so there's a lot of lot of pressure that obviously is is in heads, and you don't see that. Um, but I think I would, yes, I think I would have liked more time to prove my the physical my physical strength to the team. So maybe. Maybe I wouldn't have been so hasty. Do you think that that could have also led into maybe? pushing a little bit more for a target on, say, David, who was, as we talked about, quite sick in those early days because we do see a lot now in Survivor if someone is sick, that's kind of a, a perfect excuse to vote them out. So maybe it could have been a case of getting a few people swayed and like, look, this guy's sick, he's vomiting blood, what use is he to us out here? And David was in his 30s, wasn't he? Or yeah, late da- 20s. Uh, David was 34. Yeah, that's right. So it was Tim, me and David. So you see, I think it would have been if David had been the first out then I think they would have got me me out second and then they would have taken Tim because they would have kept Tim for a while because he's very strong, you know, big, strong. He looked like a mountain man, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that was the order, of course. I mean, it was yeah. you, then Tim, then David went. So it kind of like, yeah, that, that's obviously where that was going down, those sort of uh, age lines, wasn't it? Yeah. And then I think Jeff, Jeff was the – was Jeff the first out from the um, other – Tribe? The only one, basically, from the uh, tribal phase. They didn't lose another member to Lance, of course, after the merge, yeah. Yes, yeah. That was incredible, wasn't it? <clears throat> I have seen bits and pieces of Survivors, of different series of Survivors, and I've never seen that sort of that imbalance happen. D- did you end up watching the show, like when it aired on TV? Did you watch all the episodes? Did you did you get into no. it? No. No. Wow. Was there any particular reason I, I why? Really just didn't want watch. to see it or just had no interest? I I don't watch. I mean, I might have watched one or two episodes. Um, I watched the episode I was in um, with a lot of trepidation, hmm. um, wondering how they were going to edit me, you know. But um, there was fine. Um, I don't really watch much TV. I just wasn't that interested. Did you then, when you came to the reunion and you got to see how it all played out, was it surprising then to, 
I guess, without having seen everything that led up into that final situation, to see everything that played out with, with Rob winning, Katie's breakdown and everything else that happened? Uh, <clears throat> I think um, Katie was there to win and she was an athlete, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. And she was there to win, so she knew, and um, unlike me, she knew what the game was about. She knew that game was a game of tactics and skullduggery and, you know, underhanded sort of tactics. And um, so, and I think a person like that who's got their heart set on it, breaking down, that's, you know, she was going for it. So it was like a gold medal, you know what I mean? If you don't get there, you you really upset, you worked so hard. But... Um, you know, I was a bit surprised that um, I can't remember how far Shona went, but to me Shona was the sort of person that I thought could definitely win that show because, yeah, I just found her really solid. Well, she she came very close. She she was the runner-up and uh, got two votes at the end. So, um, yeah. I mean, swap it around. Do you, if you swap those around, do you think if um, you were in Shona's place on um, Tapara that perhaps you would have been in exactly the same position as her? Maybe, maybe, and it's funny, you know, with Shona, um, I had this connection with her, and um, when, uh, you know, because we, um, when we shot the show, it didn't come out till March the following year, and we had to sort of, you know, keep a lid on everything that had happened, and then the publicity came out, and I think the first publicity was the Women's Weekly doing a big four-page spread or something on us, and... um, Anyway, apparently um, um, it went out in Perth and Shona's younger brother came running up to her and saying, you didn't tell me Luscious was on with you. I didn't know Luscious was on with you. How come Lush, you know, you didn't tell me? And she said, what? And he said, Lucinda, Lush. And their father was an old um, wing commander in the Air Force and Shona was apparently in Canada working so i didn't meet her but i went out with her brother wow. for almost two years and knew the <laughs> family knew the whole family and her their father called me lush luscious right <laughs> instead of listen the whole family called me luscious so when the, when it came out and he was like oh my god i don't believe it like you know what i mean so but I had this instant connection with Shana and she was the only one that I had that connection. I'd never seen a photo of her. You know, I I didn't know that, you know, I'd probably heard them mention it, but, I mean, it was many years later that we did Survivor that I'd been living in Perth. So that was another really strange thing that happened, you know? Crazy. Could have been your uh, your sister-in-law. Yes. That's, yes, that's funny, insane. That's really crazy. I'd been married to my husband for, oh, six or eight years or something and uh, when we went to that um, to the Crown Casino for that you know the finale um, her brother Shona's brother Don came with Shona and um, he went up to my husband and he said okay well you've had her for you've had her for long enough it's my turn now I'm taking her back (laughs) (laughs) my husband was an emperor (laughs) I can imagine Uh, was there much hype um, after the show Lucinda was there you know, people recognising you for a while. Yeah. Can you recall? Yeah. Yes. And in a small town like Byron, everybody knew that I'd, you know, there were rumours. It was so funny. My, I, I, got a, I got a new bank manager. I was building a big house, a seven-bedroom, two big kitchens. My husband and I bought this block. I designed the house, the gardens, everything. Anyway, we were building it. We are running out of money. And my trainer actually said to me, you should 
um, go see this guy Bob Harper. He's brilliant. I'm sure because I'd been having my my bank that I was with were really dicking me around. So anyway, I rang this guy up and he said, um, <clears throat> Bob said, I said, when can I come down and talk to you? I need some more money for this house we're building. Da 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 da. And he said, um, no, I'll come up and see you. Anyway, he came up to this house. We were, <clears throat> excuse me, we're about 90% finished. And he came up, he's looking around. I mean, it was magnificent, the home we were building. And one of my, we were sitting down chatting for a few minutes. I made him a cup of coffee. One of my kids came out with my, my tribal band on their head or on their wrist. And he said to me, he leant in really close and he said to me, there's a rumour going around Byron that somebody in Byron was on Survivor, the new one that's coming out. <laughs> and um, and I said to him, and I thought I could have strung him along for ages, and I said, Bob, I said, between you and me, it was me. <laughs> <gasps> oh, my God. And for the next three hours we talked about Survivor. Fantastic. And then he said, and I said, Bob, I said, keep it under your hat. I said, it's coming out in two weeks' time or whatever, but just keep it under your hat. He said, oh, oh my God. And then he said, um, and then he said, oh, about the money. And then we started talking about the money. And he said, I can't have an answer for you this afternoon because by that time it was five o'clock and I'd been waiting six months for my bank that I'd been with 20 years, you know. And he said, but I'll have an answer tomorrow. And I said, fine, fine. Anyway, the phone rang at 6.30 and he said, your money's through. And I said, oh, geez, fantastic. Thank you. But because we were building this big, magnificent home, people thought I'd won Survivor because there was a quiet <laughs> rumour going around tiny that I'd won because I was building this big, beautiful home, you know. They were pleasantly surprised when they saw that first episode then. They must have been thinking, gee, those first boots get paid handsomely. <laughs> <laughs> and Lincoln did say to me later, Lincoln um, House said to me, you know, my daughter's called Lucinda, so we were quietly rooting for you too. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. But, you know, the producer... The producers did say I'd broken um, Survivor, the record in for Survivor history, you know, broken two records, and I can't remember first-time records, and I can't remember. I remember it was because I voted myself out and was the only person in the world that had done that, but I can't remember what the other thing was. It, um, I, I know that's definitely the one you do hold. I mean, it could potentially be you were the first person to ever then be unanimously like 8-0 voted out, maybe. Mm. It could be that. <laughs> first first person to go without ever having a vote against their name, that could technically be one, because that is yeah. a record you would hold. Yes. It, it, yes. It's all right, Lucinda. Yeah. I hold the record for being the first person voted out in two days. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> You're telling me it is terrible, yeah. It's How long did that last for? When was the last time somebody actually recognised you and go, hey, were you on Survivor? Yeah, um, well, I think it was Mother's Day the year after and my kids had bought me this beautiful suite at uh, the beach hotel overlooking the beach, right? And um, we were sitting out and then they invited and they blindfolded me and... Um, Took me, got got another friend of their, theirs to drive me, and and invited all my friends and everybody to come with, um, you know, all the alcohol and food and everything. And um, we, they blindfolded me in, and we were all sort of drinking and partying. And then I was out on the balcony, and a family were walking past. So I was a year later, and um, they were all pointing at me. That's Lucinda from Survivor. You you're the one that was on Survivor, aren't you? And I thought, God. It's amazing. People 
such long memories sometimes. Fantastic. And then here you've got two random podcast hosts uh, nearly 20 years later uh, wanting to uh, relive all these uh, memories you thought you'd blacked out a long time ago. <laughs> do you, do you, would you have recognised me after you've watched the viewing and everything? Would you have recognised me? I, I would have. I, I definitely would have. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yep. Yeah, because I guess in 20 years a lot of us have changed a lot you know what i mean yeah well i think i think in looking at you right now i think you look very similar you look pretty much exactly the same so i think that if i was to go to byron and kind of all of a sudden see you walking down the street it'd probably be one of those moments where i'm not gonna be like oh my god it's lucinda i'd probably just be like she looks like someone (laughs) is that lucinda i think it is and then it would kind of you know because i know um a lot of people who are on the show particularly with the u.s ones who i've interviewed over the years and it's been some time they often will get people going like I know you from somewhere where do I know you from one one yeah. thing that I, I think is, is interesting you're talking about that questionnaire and I, I want to have a bit of fun with that in a moment because this is something we want to try with some of our guests but the one thing I love in this official handbook that they released and they have kind of a bit of a an extended questionnaire with you they asked the question to you what would you not do for money now a lot of people in this gave you know the generic one and you you kind of mentioned it like you know i wouldn't betray my principles you know i wouldn't do this but you were very specific lucinda the one thing that you said you would not do for money is sleep with bill clinton now <laughs> very specific Just there. Remember. Remember that because I won lots, I you know have a history of winning all those competitions. I wanted to come from completely left a field with my answers, so they go, "Fuck this woman's outrageous!" Like you know, this woman's, you know what I mean? Because you've got to stand out. Who I am, whereas I knew a lot of people give such deep thought to those questions, you know, um, and and you know, I'm I bet I. I would bet my probably my last dollar that all those people that said they wouldn't betray their principles did. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a very good point. But I also like the fact you also add there that you wouldn't run naked through Hyde Park or sing at the Opera House because you can't sing. Yes, yes. <laughs> that, that, yes. that kind of works. Yes. Yeah, I also love the story you told about the uh, the craziest, wildest thing you would do for money. And you said two weeks after you had met your husband, you travelled overseas, you brought back a present for him that was a white wedding dress. Um, he insisted I got down on my hands and knees to propose. He said yes, and you were married four weeks later. So within six weeks, you were married. Yeah, yes. And we remained married for 13 years. That's crazy. That, there's, a, there's a message in there somewhere, Lucinda. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I told you I'm spontaneous, and I just go straight in. I, you know, I trust my instincts. And I, I go for it. Did, it did Ben's reading out of the 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 manual, the survivor manual? Did did production give you a copy of that book at all after the show? No, but I found one in an op shop somewhere. But I, I was just going to tell you on the um, on the um, entry form that we filled. You know, I think that when that when the second time when they culled it down to. 50 or 100 or whatever they did. And one of the questions they asked was, um, oh, no, 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 no. On the first video that I did, I told them and I thought, you know, what do they want to see? And I I thought about it and I thought, because I saw some of the American videos that the Americans had put in to apply for Survivor Mm -hmm. and they were just stupid. (laughs) You know, some of them were dressed as koala bears jumping out of trees or, you know, kangaroos or, you know, some of them were just ridiculous. And I thought, 
they really want to see your body, one, see how fit you look, two, they want to see your face, and three, they want to see how much emotion that face can give. So what I did was I just had a handheld video camera recorder that my girlfriend owned. Uh, it was a nice little one, and I, I set it up. I stood up. I shot myself standing up. Then I sat down, and then I zoomed into my face, and I talked to them for about three minutes, and I thought, leave them wanting more. Don't give them five minutes. Give them three. So, And I told them that my father had just died, which was a very emotional thing for me. I was very, very close to my father. I told them about that. And then I told them about putting um, a red-bellied black snake in my... The, actually, the man I'm married to now. I went out with him 30 years ago. But um, he was a crime reporter, and he was on our cattle property. And um, my girlfriend and I got this red-bellied black snake that my dad had killed. It was about... Oh, it was huge. It was about a metre and a bit long. We curled it up in the bottom of his bag and waved him off on the plane to work when he was leaving the little airport at Inverell. She'd wanted to put it in his briefcase, but I said, no way, I can't, if he opens his briefcase to do some work and a, a red-bellied black snake's in there and he'll throw it and I can imagine it skidding un under one of the seats, a whole eight-seater or ten-seater plane will be in absolute pandemonium. I said, no, we'll put it in his overnight bag. Anyway, there was pandemonium at our house when he discovered the snake was in there and it came out and it slid under the couch or it slid into the garden. They didn't know where it had gone. But I told that story as well. So, you know what I mean? I gave them a bit of humour and I gave them a bit of sadness in the in the whole thing. I'm guessing then that your twin sister was one of the ones that dressed up in a koala suit, seeing she didn't get uh, <laughs> past the first stage. <laughs> No. Oh, shame. There's one to see. There's one to see. I want to test your memory here, Lucinda, on your questionnaire here, some quick-fire questions on this book. Uh, Lucinda, I've, I've, I've led a very dangerous life for the last 20 years, so my memory's <laughs> very good. <laughs> well, I think I think it'll be interesting to see if any of these, I mean, again, opinions change over the years too, so some of these ones could have changed over years. So um, what is your favourite colour? Let's see if it's still the same as it was 20 years ago. Um, um, I know what my favourite colour is, and it's um. See, I can't even. Rem I know what the colour is. It's um powder blue. Correct. I feel like I weird that you're correct in guessing yourself here, but that that's exactly what I'm I reading here. <laughs> favourite smell. Mm, I know it's still my favourite, and I, oh, God, it's so dry. The rain hitting the dust after. It's been dry for a while. Correct. You know yourself so well here, Lucinda. Um, what's your favourite flower? Um, gardenia. Correct again. Three from three, Matt. That. This is this is working a treat here. I thought people might forget what they wrote in this thing, but obviously opinions don't change that much. What's your favourite game? Oh, I used to love um, Yahtzee, but um, I don't. I have no idea what I would have put. In, but I do used to love Yahtzee. I love chess. And I love Scrabble. Well, Scrabble's the answer that you've got here, so we'll give you that one as well, okay. I think. <laughs> um, favourite sport? Um, I don't play a lot of sport, but I guess, I don't know. Horse riding. I used to love horse riding. Correct. But I don't know. Okay. That's what you've got here, so there you go. Okay. Favourite sports team? Well, now it's Chelsea. Um, 
Oh, gosh, who would I have written for my favourite sports team? I don't know. Um, I Probably um, East, Rugby East. The one that's got here is any team that your children are in. Oh, yes. Okay, that's good. Yep. Yep, I like it. Thinking outside the box there, I like it. Um, favourite TV show? Uh, Hell's Bells. Because um, I don't watch much TV. I don't know. It used to be F Trip when I was a kid. Um I don't know. This one, you've got Jeffrey Robertson's hypothetical. Oh, yes, I love love that. Yes. I couldn't even tell okay. you what that is. <laughs> Never uh, heard of it. Well, you, but you know, pose hypothetical questions, make a hypothetical situation and see how people would react to it. It was brilliant. Right. Jeffrey Robertson, he's a famous barrister. Okay. We'll, have to, we'll, we'll track that yeah. one down, Matt. We'll put that on as a side project. What do you reckon? We'll do that over on the Oz Network. We will. Do a recap. <laughs> um, your favourite movie? Uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Yep, that's the one. And I'm guessing favourite actor then related to The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, it is Morgan. It is. Morgan Freeman. Mr. Freeman, yes. Uh, favourite actress? Ooh. Um, um, Hell's Bells. I'm not sure that I... Um... Give her a hint, Ben. She has one name. She got you, babe. She could turn back time. Uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wasn't she fabulous? Mask. Yeah. yeah. I tried to get that movie for my kids to watch the other day. Have you seen Mask? Not in a long time. I've seen With the Jim Sher- Carrey, The Mask, but not the Sher one, I don't think, in a long time. This is one as um, her son who was born with, I think it's elephantitis or with some very, very debilitating and deforming face, facial disfigurement. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, it, uh, she plays a cracker of a role. She won the Oscar. That was, was, did she win that for that or Moonlight? I think she won the Oscar for, wasn't it, for Moonlight? I'm not sure. I think she may have been nominated. I think there were a few nominations for Mask. It was brilliant. She's often a forgotten actress, I think, in terms of how good she is. She has actually won an Oscar for acting. I think uh, people forget that about Cher. So uh, yeah. add it to the list, Matt. Come on. We, I expect you to be keeping this list up <laughs> in the background of things we've got to cover eventually. Uh, Favourite music type? Ooh, I think rock and roll, but I don't know. You are correct. That is rock and roll. That is it. Uh, your favourite band? Um, Jeepers Creepers. Um, <laughs> Eagles? Uh, you've got Simon Garfunkel know. here. Oh, I used to love Simon and Garfunkel growing up. Yeah, Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Yep. I'm, I'm loving, I think, Matt, we need to incorporate more Jeepers Creepers and Hell's Bells into our uh, future episodes as yeah, well. I'm loving that, this. That's, it. that's our hashtag for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, definitely. Um, your favourite magazine? Uh, I don't read magazines anymore. What would it have been? Marie Claire? Correct. Yes, that is it. Uh, your favourite breakfast? Ooh. Scrambled eggs? Poached eggs with smoked salmon. Oh, okay. Very specific. Okay, I love love poached eggs. Refined taste, it works. Uh, Favourite dinner? Uh, Roast dinner? I don't know. Garlic king prawns. Mm, Yum, that was my dad's favourite, so I used to cook that for him. (laughs) Uh, Favourite vegetable? I do love how this is actually a question, because I'm sure everyone wants to know your favourite vegetable. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, oh, heavens to Betsy, I've got no idea. Um, That's another hashtag, man. Uh, carrots, apparently. So, carrots. Um, yeah, you didn't know yourself back then, Matt. Uh, favorite snack food? 
Mm, Smith's crisps. I'll give it to you. Potato chips, it says. Not Lay's. You yeah. shouldn't like the Lay's ones. I was going to say, it should have been Lay's. <laughs> should have been well, Lay's. Kids, my mother went to town once a fortnight to do the grocery shopping. We were 20 miles or so out of town, you know. And we, we were asset rich and cash poor. And mum would buy us one treat each. There were four of us. One treat each. And we could choose whether we wanted a packet of chewing gum or a packet of Smith's chips. And I always got the chips. And they've been a fact of mine ever since. Not that I eat many, but I love them. Just, just Matt, uh, apologies to our, our proud sponsors of Lay's and PepsiCo because we need to, I feel, jump that in 101 times because just to remind everyone, Australian <laughs> Survivor is sponsored by Lay's and <laughs> PepsiCo. Uh, Favourite chocolate or lollies? Dark chocolate with roasted almonds. That's exactly what's here. Good. Uh, Favourite dessert? Ooh, um, mm, cream caramel. Yes. Oh, look at this. I should have been telling these. I think you've only got a couple of these different, so this is going well. I'm starting to think this whole book is just on Lucinda and uh, all about her eating habits. I know. It's, it's fantastic. Um, Favourite alcoholic beverage? Oh, um, oh, I just love a good bottle of French champagne. I'm going to um, say that that's this Perrier Jouet. Is that a French champagne? Jouet. Oh, ju- sorry, Jouet. Oh, okay. Get it right, Ben. Oh, sorry. I can't speak. Sorry. French. My French has just <laughs> slipped out the window. Um, <laughs> the last one, favourite non-alcoholic beverage? Um, non-alcoholic beverage would be, hmm, gee, oh, mineral water. Cafe Latte was your answer in 2001, 2002, so, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just quickly, Lucinda, what um what did you end up doing with your Survivor buff or any other memorabilia that you took from the show? It's in my top drawer. I found it the other day when I was cleaning out some boxes and I just put it in my top underwear drawer. But my kids cut them up and used them and wore them and did all sorts of things. So, so they, you had more than one? <clears throat> I did, and I actually got given the map of... Um, you know how they gave us um, a piece of... Um, it was on a piece of leather, a map of where we had to go and the distances oh, wow. and the windmill was marked and where we had to fish was marked and our campsite was marked. Fantastic. And they gave that. And I've got that boxed up somewhere. I'm not sure where, but I've got that boxed up. If, if you could find that and take a photo of that, we would love to put that on our social media. That That is brilliant. Yes. Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Yes, well, that gives me another excuse to clean out one of my um, cupboards. <laughs> and you, you never, you might, find, you might stumble across some other stuff maybe from the show. Yeah, I may. Well, Lucinda, I've learned a lot. Matt's learned a lot. And uh, Jeepers Creepers, Hell's Bells and Heavens to Betsy. I've had a lot of fun today uh, in chatting this. And I think, Matt, we've got to choose one of these as an official hashtag, don't we, I think, kind of. Jeepers Creepers all the way. Jeepers Creepers <laughs> all the way. I, I like it. It's, it's a good balance. But uh, just a quick update then before we, we let you go. What, what's, what's going on in Lucinda's life now? Where, where are things at? How are things going? I'm... Um... I'm still designing houses and gardens. I'm not. I remarried four years ago. Um, I'm still living in Byron with uh, all my children live in Byron too. So I feel like I'm a very blessed mummy. So I have a lot of family time with my kids. Um, and yeah, just 
still passionate about designing houses, gardens, pools. Well, this has been a lot of fun and we really appreciate your time. And Matt, I mean, first boot to another first boot. I'm going to let you close this out, I think, because you, you two have got more in common here right now. I think we haven't really covered too much of the first boot, first boot love. You're definitely, Lucinda, when we knew we were doing this podcast, you're definitely the first one that I, I tracked down because, yeah, I suppose you hold a special place in my heart, the fact that we, we do share something in common, which is, you know, being the first out of a show. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I just thank you so much for your time and, and coming on this podcast and just telling us all this information and sharing it with our listeners. And, uh, yeah, I'm just very grateful and th- thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. And a lot of fun there, Matt. Uh, Lucinda, great chat. Uh, did you ever think in a million years that we would be sitting here at one point interviewing Lucinda, the very first boot from season one? No, definitely not. And I certainly def- definitely didn't think that I'd ever be sitting here talking to her as a fellow first boot either all these years later. But uh, what a great insight she gave to her time playing the game 17 years ago and just hearing the stories and how she got on it, it's it's fascinating, and, and that's what this show's all, this podcast is all about. And I also love the fact that I can say I'm sitting here uh, throughout that interview with a third of the first boots in Australian Survivor history. So um, <laughs> uh, I don't know how that we've got something a little bit special planned over on the Oz Network when it comes to uh, All Stars next year in the first boot scenario, but. Uh, yeah, that, that's a pretty special moment, I think, for all those fans of First Boots in the history of uh, any version of Survivor. But I, I, it's great. We're obviously we're moving along swimmingly here. We, we covered her episode, Boot, last week with a lot of fun as per usual, which now then leads us into the second episode, which I think if people are watching along with us over on the official Survivor YouTube channel, a lot of people maybe haven't been able to watch that first episode because it hasn't been uploaded yet. But the second episode is up there. It's, it's another interesting one, and I think kind of going into episode two, Matt, uh, get your cans of Solo ready because I'm telling you now, uh, if you didn't ever think you wanted to drink a can of Solo, you'll want to drink a can of Solo because next week we'll be brought to you by Solo, the beverage Solo, and perhaps we might even go see the movie Solo while drinking Solo because did you know that there's Solo in next week's episode? It's all I drink now after rewatching it. It's all I drink. <laughs> solo, Solo, Solo. Uh, so yeah, I loving everything. We're learning a lot from Lucinda, obviously from Lincoln a couple of weeks ago. So it's, it's an exciting time. I'm, I'm loving everything we're doing. I'm loving the feedback and everything along the way. And I hope that you, the listener are enjoying this because we're enjoying bringing it to you and we hope you can continue to enjoy it. As always, please show us the support if you can by jumping onto our social media pages, hitting us up on Facebook if you haven't already, Twitter, Instagram. We are, of course, on iTunes, on Spotify. Easiest way to get these episodes direct to your devices. While you're there, leave us some feedback. Rate us on there. It'd be great to hear your thoughts on the show, even if you think we're shit. We want to hear you say, you're shit, one star. Maybe not, but like surely, surely no one thinks I'm shit. They might think you're a little bit shit. Yeah, then, like but, all the uh, negative reviews are because of me. That picture hasn't, you know, like helped us. I mean, it's been like a month now since I've had a dangling out, Matt. But I mean, come on. <laughs> and I just want to say to the listeners too, yeah, we've got some uh, really exciting interviews to come as well. So stay tuned. Um, we're working really hard behind the scenes to track down these players for you. 
And uh, there's definitely going to be some brilliant interviews to come. And please like the shit out of our Instagram page, folks, because I still want to see glued on bearded headed Matt in his 18 year old audition self. All right, a thousand followers on Instagram, and this will be the greatest video you will ever, ever see. You thought Matt yelling at random person in the car. I'm Matt Dyson, and you're speeding. You know how fast you were going. Was fantastic in his episode. It's going to fail into absolute comparison when you see glued-on, bearded, headed 18-year-old Matt. Oh, that's right, pal. That's right, guys. We just need a 1,000 followers, and you'll all get to see that video. So get on there, tell your friends, and... Support ASA Podcast and we'll keep delivering and I will deliver that uh, audition tape. We'll be back next week for uh, our Episode 2 Season 1 recap of Australian Survivor. But thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to once again. My name is Ben and heaven to Betsy's Hell's Bells Jeepers Creepers. What a fun time it's been. Jeepers Creepers! Creepers. Oh, heavens to Betsy, I've got no idea.